Hi, and welcome to Episode 5 of the Voice First Roundtable. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsors for this podcast are Forthcast. Turn your podcast into an Alexa skill. Get started today at Forthcast.com. That's F-O-U-R-T-H-C-A-S-T.com. Our other sponsor is the Alexa Conference. The Alexa Conference is the annual gathering of Alexa developers and enthusiasts. Learn more and get registered at alexaconference.com. We're very pleased, very grateful to be joined today by Nandini Stalker. Nandini, say hello. Hello. Nandini is the head of conversation design advocacy and partnerships at Google. And I've been looking forward to this for a long time, I have to be honest. Uh, this is uh, fantastic. Greatly appreciate uh, you setting the time aside, Nandini, and, and Google uh, helping to make this possible as well. Absolutely. I think what you're doing um, to really supercharge this industry to get good information out there is um, really key to this uh, next wave of voice tech. Um, and Bradley, I, I sort of want to start actually with um, uh, something more personal with you because uh, we had this exchange on Twitter and I wanted to just clarify it for your listeners because um, we had this exchange on Twitter where you had sort of called for more women to be on your um, shows and I just wanted to you know, clarify for everyone. First of all, that was after Bradley had already asked me. Um, and, you know, the medium that you use to communicate can, can sometimes have certain pieces lost in translation. And um, the way you asked was, you know, uh, kind of an, a great act of, um, you know, really putting your foot out there to, to extend that invitation. And I think the way I reacted was, uh, a little bit forceful and, and, and a little bit in 140 characters can come off as a little flippant where I, I immediately started um, adding and I created a list. Um, and I just hope that that didn't come across as um, anything other than uh, seizing a great moment um, to, to rally uh, some information together for what I, I, I looked at as a, a great call to action on your part. So I'm, I'd like to just start with that gratitude. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. And, um, you know, uh, that um, it's important to have women on our podcasts. Uh, that's very obvious. Uh, I, um, uh, I, I'm married to a very strong woman. Uh, we've been married uh, since 2005. Uh, she's a very well-known woman here in Nashville. Um, and, uh, you know, women's studies minor, you know, very, very feminist. And, and uh, you know, on, on the other hand, I'm more on the conservative end of things. But uh, we make a, a great team. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, we were on vacation when I got an email from someone who I'm not going to say who it is asking me, um, what's up with no women on your podcasts? And it was someone who had actually taken the time to listen to, uh, if not all of them, most of them. And it caught me by surprise. And, um, and so we've really, um, uh, you know, uh, my reaction really isn't relevant. What's important is that uh, we, we uh, get women on here who are doing fantastic work. And no, you didn't offend me at all. Uh, you know, I, uh, like I said, I greatly appreciate uh, you being here and you sharing your time with us. And really, 
that's all I could ask. And yeah, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. You know, it's it's a it is what it is. It's it. Uh, you're right. Things can come across and be misconstrued. But no, I I didn't think anything of it. I, I greatly appreciated you putting that list together. We're going to have a lot of those folks on these shows. Um, but um, no, you you're nothing but appreciated, and uh, you know, uh, and I appreciate you you sharing that. Great. Well, like you said, we need more more women's voices, uh, more men, women, and non-binary voices out there, um, he- getting their voices heard, and you know, more women at the table. And I'm happy to be here, honored to be the first woman on your at your virtual roundtable. So thank you. Yes. Well, we- Thank you. Greatly appreciate that. Let's start with how you got to where you are right now. You're, you, you've got a fascinating position doing very interesting work. And for uh, the layperson um, who has no real idea about uh, how someone might be able to, to get into that or, or, or for someone who's in college or graduate school right now wondering how to get uh, into this field, share with us a little bit, Nandini, about how you, um, about your experience and how you got to where you are uh, right now. Sure. Um, it might sound dramatic, but I sort of feel like all paths led to this point. Um, but it really is true. I studied um, I was self-taught in many, many things. I, did, I homeschooled myself and um, for part of my education, skipped a few grades. I was um, always interested, though, in language and communication, I was, you know, and, but also science. So I've always been both um, technical and artistic and loved language, loved talking. I could talk at a really early age. And... Um, I just sort of paid attention to those interests and followed them instead of going down traditional routes, I guess. And I started, uh, I studied uh, computer science and communication arts and political science and, and then some business and management and a few other things. Um, but even in those jobs, I was always learning and like trying new certifications and um, taking classes so I guess I, it's, I'm a communicator. I like to talk to people. I like to listen and have conversations. And somehow all of those things, you know, I learned how to talk in front of people. I learned how to talk to people. And that, I guess, yeah, it's, it really feels like all paths sort of led to a point where um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really passionate now about helping other people learn to find that voice in themselves to talk, whether it's between two humans, two businesses, or between or everything in between where some machines are involved. Early in your career, it, it, at least if I understood it correctly, you, you started um, as a technical writer. Um, if I do, I have that right. Um, yeah, even before that, I was doing legal citations um, and layout editing. And then you made a jump over to the, the audio and voice side. Um, how did that, what precipitated that? Well, I was a technical writer, and I did user guides and uh, created you know, re- requirements, databases, and um, pretty much figured out 
um, Visual Basic ins and outs of all of the Microsoft Office products and sort of automated uh, documentation um, uh, group, all single person um, documentation engine with an internal website and everything. At, uh, it was MCI WorldCom at the time. And uh, they started getting into speech recognition. They were partnering with uh, SpeechWorks and uh, a couple other companies to start putting together these dialogue modules that would go into telephony applications. And there was speech recognition involved. And I, they, the, uh, the lead at the time said, you know, I don't know how we're going to sell this stuff and how we're going to communicate this to uh, anyone. So could you write a document that's sort of like the definitive primer on how this all works? And from, you know, and I, I said, sure, you, I, I can do a great document. And as I was doing it, you know, it was, it covered everything from what is speech recognition to uh, what the reports would look like. And, uh, and I, you know, I used like, my layout skills and my journalistic skills and uh, interviewed people and met with engineers and met with uh, salespeople and just tried to find this one document that everyone could use as that sort of conduit and, and help everyone understand it. So, um, but in the process, I was fascinated. I loved it. I thought, wow, machines can talk now. That's kind of like my sci-fi dream. And, um, you know, and I had funny little things in there too that I started to put in there, like the, the, um, the song, uh, the Jimi Hendrix song, Kiss the Sky versus Kiss This Guy. And uh, things, nice. you know, to try to help people understand the, the real intricacies of this field. And then um, I think I even ended one of the chapters with, and we're that much closer to Star Trek because <laughs> I was that <laughs> geeky. But uh, no, it's so I fell in love with that because it's something clicked in my brain um, that, you know, I've always tried to find something that is equally technical and language based. And here I here it is. And so I approached my director at the time and said, how do I actually get into this? Like, I, I wrote a document about it, but I, I want to design it and build it and do that. And he said, um, well, I don't know about designing, but uh, there's a junior developer position over in this other group we just pulled in. And uh, yeah, but you're going to need to learn Unix and run a Solaris machine, a couple of them, and uh, code in voice XML in VI and uh, write all the, they were called prompts, and I had to learn that. And then also still do the documents and be customer facing and explain all of the uh, dialogue. So that's kind of, I, I learned all that. And um, sure enough, the team, I, you know, I became a good designer with all those uh, skills kind of coming together. I came, became a good designer because I could Basically, I found that I was already a designer <laughs> inside. I just needed to see where all the pieces in front of me to, to do all the Lego pieces on the table and and understand all the cogs and how they worked. Um, and then I knew how to talk uh, to people and I could observe how communication worked and I studied language. So yeah, it just all sort of clicked and, and from there, the more interfacing I was with uh, or the more actual designs I did, because I started to do some pretty complex stuff, and the team was really excited because they could start to 
have something more challenging than like the just the bits and bytes they were trying to do. Um, I, I moved into more design-related um, roles and kind of trying to drive us into more innovation. And I guess all of that was just a series of pivots in my career where I I saw, oh, here's the next phase, here's the next phase, this is what I want to do, I'd want to do more of this, or I want to do more of that, and um, paid attention to those, and along the way, if I needed to learn something, learned more, and um, yeah, and then, you know, how I ended up at Google is, or, I mean, Google's an amazing place. I still remember at that job at MCI when I was sitting there, and um, uh, dear, friend and colleague who was helping me with the website, Janet Kenning, she's um, an incredible poet, teacher, and technologist. She, she said, you have to see this site. Why are you looking through like all these other search sites? There's this new one. Look, it's called Google. I will never forget when that site, when she pulled up the site and it had the colors and you type something and stuff came up right away. You had to click through several pages usually to get to the right blue link that you wanted but it was kind of wild it was kind of wild and and yeah I mean looking back it's kind of far out like something clicked in my brain there and and I remember the first person I knew that went to Google I you know I later moved on to you know a series of other companies that were were you know doing this technology like uh, Tuvox and uh, I got a certification from Nuance they had a dialogue designer certification at one point and um, moved to Tuvox, and I remember first person I saw uh, go get a job at Google, I was like, wait, what? That's possible? You know, and it sort of sat in the back of my mind, but I'm lucky enough, you know, and then, you know, I had, um, had a family, and I did a lot of consulting, and along the way, um, you know, sort of made my trail in the field, and at, at one point, Google came to me, uh, I say that like it's the Google, I mean, but a great leader um, uh, at Google who's been a great sponsor of me um, from the beginning. Rec he you know, knows that Google thrives and it's built on smart, creative thinkers and technologists. And um, I'm lucky you know, that he considered me that and honored that he saw that in me from the very beginning and, and brought me in to um, push the envelope and bring us into this next new phase. And, yeah, having, you know, forward-thinking uh, leaders that can really see that in, in someone before they even see it themselves is, is pretty incredible. Um, and that's, that's what's incredible about this place and why I'm still here. I love it. Um, it's, it's a tough job. I work really hard. But I think, yeah, creative technologists all working together is in, in this kind of collaborative environment can be quite chaotic, but it's... it's um, it's still as exciting as I thought it would be. So it's fantastic. And that's how I'm here. Uh, those are the types of stories that we want to get to the heart of, is how um, the, the key players, the people doing interesting things in the field today, how, how they got here. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that. So let's touch on the topic of conversation design. So you live this every day, but there's tons of people coming into this sector um, voice is on the rise, as you uh, well know. Assume that I landed here from Mars. I don't know anything about anything about anything. 
um, and I see the words written conversation design, and I ask you, what is conversation design? How would you explain what that is? Oh, sure. Well, first I'd say, welcome to Earth. We, <laughs> um, we think this is a pretty great place. And um, one of the things we have going for us here is the ability to share our ideas with language and connection. And uh, by the way, what technology are you using um, for that universal translator? Because um, we've been trying to talk to you know, each other for a while um, and understand you know, what are our animals telling us, but we're still stuck on getting human language and um, differences down. So I want to learn about what technology made you so cloaked that we thought there was no life on Mars. <laughs> so that's how I'd react. Okay. Okay, so um, what I just did there is conversation design where you have two participants. You start to, you greet them. You somehow indicate that you're, okay, I heard what your question was. Now it's my turn to talk. And I want to establish some sort of common ground. And I notice something interesting about you. That and you and suddenly we're connected and we're now now there's a conversation started, and then where the conversation goes from there um, can thread in so many different ways, and you know hopefully lead to some sort of closure. You know conversations do have like many structures and then there's longer conversations, but ultimately it's how we have evolved as a species is the ability to share ideas with spoken language, and that's. That's how I'd, I'd explain it. And if you're designing for that, if you saw a sign that said conversation design, um, that might be where someone is studying or explaining to other people just how that works. And all it means is paying attention to how we all communicate and use that to create better conversations for connecting between us. And if you're designing between a machine and a human, let's make that machine behave using those same core evolved structures and ways we do that as humans. And then maybe we can do more with our lives if we have um, technology that can understand and work with that uh, within the, that framework rather than kind of shoehorning it the other way around and trying to modify how we've operated for hundreds of millennia and uh, to accommodate some machines that we created so why not, if we created them, why not make them work even better for us to, to do what we created them to do, which was to connect us and do more things with our lives? No, that's great. Um, by the way, have you seen the movie Arrival? Yes. Okay. I was about to say, if you hadn't seen that, we'd have to stop this right now and you need to go watch that. Oh, <laughs> uh, what well, a great film. It, it is. True story. Our team completely geeked out over that movie and um we all the uh all the conversation designers voice designers um especially you know anyone who studied linguistics which is most of us um completely geeked out and did a movie night and uh, nice. we, were, we, we were able to reserve uh larry's old office in one of our buildings it has a gigantic screen and we pulled the couches together moved aside all the paper clips and everything else and and watched Arrival together as a team and just geeked out over the fact that there was a linguist protagonist for once in a movie and sure 
And, uh, and I, but you know, of course, I immediately thought I need to watch Contact in this setting. That's one of my favorite movie, movies of all time. I've seen that. I don't remember. Uh, was Jodie Foster in that? Yes. Who was in that? Yes. Okay. Jodie Foster, Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Written I by, remember that. well, it's based on the novel by Carl Sagan. And um, in Carl Sagan's book, though, there are five or six people that traveled. Um, but when it was made at the time, I guess it was 1997, um, yeah, um, Carl never saw the final result of the movie, unfortunately. But hmm. um, yeah, it's one of my favorite, favorite movies um, of all time. The book is incredible as well. So, yeah. To continue down this tangent for a moment, the film uh, Arrival, um, it just strikes you as being realistic, <laughs> even though it uh, is a science fiction film in which aliens land on the planet. Um, because when aliens show up here, somebody's going to have to figure out how to communicate or assuming they want to communicate with this, you know, someone will have to figure out how to communicate with them. And, um, yeah, fascinating. I'm, I'm That's glad right. you're, I mean, you hit it on the nail. It's, it has this underlying common thread of plausibility because, and, and why is that? It's because central to it is just trying to understand common ground that we all have, which is our ability to communicate. And what language we use uh, is almost inconsequential, but it's focused on that ability to how we understand each other. And so it has, that's why it's so powerful. I think you, yeah, you're right. It feels realistic, you know, it has these crazy kind of creatures and it has these big spaceships and all kinds of things happening. But the fundamental core of it is something we all like know deep in our brains um, and as something we do without thinking. So yeah, no, you hit it on the nail. While we're sort of going down this road, I love that you're a Star Trek fan as well. Um, with your, your your Twitter handle and and so on and so forth, um, I I have not really seen that much of Voyager and and Enterprise and some of the other ones, but I am a huge, and I mean huge, Next Generation fan. Have you seen Star Trek Next Generation? Oh my gosh! Then you need to do a com- yeah a Google Assistant action or app. <laughs> um, I should trivia game because I want someone. I'm I'm looking for. You know, I've got, I think, the definitive seven of nine trivia questions, but, you know, someone needs to do data and, uh, or, or all the characters, you know, do a trivia game for we all the characters. We could be up for that task. Yeah, yeah, we could definitely be up for that task. And, yeah. uh, it's, um, and of course, there's many, many, many examples uh, in the Star Trek universe of how communication um, is paramount uh, to, to the resolution of something or... or uh, causing some sort of conflict, and uh, so it, it doesn't surprise me that uh, that you're into that as well. Right. Well, I mean, what I love about Star Trek, all of them, is that it's never been, you know, it's never about showing off cool technology. You know, what if we land? And you can hear the writers, and you know, what if we land there and it, you know, and we can't understand them? Oh, I know. We'll use these universal translators that 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 make everyone understand each other no matter what and uh, once in a while we'll have a travel in time episode where it's humans and they're and they ask what are you using and uh yeah see what i did there i tied it back to what you (laughs) yes yes no that was good 
Um, yeah, no, no, no. So we 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 share a lot in common. Uh, I, I appreciate someone who uh, enjoyed science fiction, and obviously for your uh, job and your company, so much of it uh, is starting to not you know not be fiction anymore. Let me transition to asking you something else that's been on my mind, and that is uh, the competitive positioning between. Amazon's hardware and Google's hardware. What differentiates an Amazon Echo versus a Google Home? And one thing I just discovered a week or so ago is that Google Home allows you, Google Home recognizes different voices, which Amazon Echo does not do. So that's spectacular. um, And I had no idea about that. Can you share with us? you know, perhaps one or two other uh, key differentiators in your mind between what Google is doing, like with Google Home, and uh, you know what what's going on either with Amazon or with, just in general out in the rest of the the marketplace with voice uh, assistants right now. Sure, we think that if if you want to interact with Google, which I I reckon you do on a um, daily basis that um, the Google Home, for example, is just one device where it brings Google into, uh, in a, into a different modality, a different way to interact where you can do more things hands-free. You can, um, you know, it's just, it's all the power of Google um, in a device, uh, all the things you want to do with it uh, that, and, and plus more, it introduces all the things that you would want to interact with. Now, the Google Assistant is, you know, your Google and your Google across devices, and the Google Home is just one of those. So what makes sense in the home and what you might want to use that for um, is, you know, there are certain use cases that make the most sense for that, things where you your hands are free, you want your hands free to do other things, um, or you want to do uh, consume information while you're, you know, taking care of your child or, or tinkering with your car or other things. It's a great device to do that. Um, play music and set timers and, and other things like that. But the Google Assistant and the Google Assistant ecosystem is something what, where it really extends and the differentiator is, is it's across all devices. Right now it's on, um, you know, 100 million plus uh, phones and including iOS. And so all the things that you would want to access for Google, making that available and ubiquitous is kind of, our differentiator is, yeah, it's 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 kind of naturally falls into that's how that's what we do. Um, access to information and things you want to do in your world. Um, we're trying to make that possible across a lot of devices, and so that you know the technology is there with you when you are and under your terms and within your context. That's what um, that's where it'll be useful rather than um, you know within one device or um, where you're sort of having to cater to a device. The idea is that eventually you know technology can fade into the background, right? And you can you can do more things in your world. And by having the Google Assistant, which is your Google, you know, across all these devices, um, it, it'll let you do that. And so then the differentiator for the Google Home, you know, it's that it also we think it's a um, it's a beautiful device. It it has uh, great sound and and it's stylish and and you know depends on the room. But again, I'll say that it's your it's your Google. <laughs> you know you can bring it into the environment where you want it. It's your home, so uh, it's your Google Home, and you can 
dress it up any way you want. Like, I'd love to see pictures of, um, you know, creative ways that people have um, pulled it into their environment and made it part of their own. Um, because, yeah, it's your Google. So um, all the information and everything we help you do, um, if you want that on a, a device that you can fit in your kitchen or, or somewhere else, great. I, um, that's, that's kind of what we care about, is, is just bringing that information and, and making Google more useful to you in more places um, um, overall. So I hope that helps. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so it's more about Google ensuring that you can take your Google and access your Google wherever and however you want to, as opposed to um, well, these folks over here, you know, we need to have some sort of hardware to compete with this thing over here. No, it's just about we're um, just for our, you know, yeah, just for exactly. just for our sake. Uh, yeah, making sure that everyone can access Google. No, that's very, that's uh, that's great. And you're right. Uh, Google Home is stylish, as opposed to the uh, you know the the dark tower of death that is the Amazon oh, Echo. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that I, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, well, that's. I mean, I, I, it's yeah. I mean, a joke, but it's um, you know, they're great, great people working at Amazon. Um, uh, like I just wrote recently, we can talk about that later. But I just wrote recently about a colleague of mine, uh, old colleague of mine that was from there, and um, Philip Hunter, and and the other folks at at, at Amazon. Some of the t some of the. People on my team came from Amazon and, or for Apple, and um, you know, especially as designers and creative technologists, we all just care about creating great things, and for users. And so, it's it's competitive, but in a great, great way. That's what competition is great for. Um, let's push the envelope for creating great experiences for users. That's that's what really matters here. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh Amazon gets uh, a lot of praise as they deserve for a lot of different things. It's okay, you know, to poke poke a little fun at them, but yeah, no, that's absolutely. That, I, yeah, I appreciate uh, you sharing that. Let me ask you uh, one more thing as well. It feels like this voice technology movement. Uh, I, I don't think it's inaccurate at all to call it a movement. Um, you know, it's 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 built up over the last couple of decades. People have done a lot of great work, and now the time it feels like is here. And it feels like we're moving at warp speed. And uh, it's because we are moving at warp speed. And there's literally news. There's so much news coming out that we had to create a news show for it. Um, in five years' time, what are we going to be talking about? What, In your mind, uh, what is life going to be like with these voice assistants? How are we going to be interacting with them? Are, are we going to continue on this incredibly exponential trajectory of, of progress or are we going to plateau and, and have problems? Where, where do you see us going in the next few years, Nadini? Well, instead of saying, you know, what will we be all talking about, I'm going to use language here to explain, um, you know, distinctly, I think it's a distinction. I hope, you know, in five years that it won't be what we're all talking about, um, but what we'll be talking, who we'll be talking to, um, and that we'll be able to talk to each other about things that matter, and that the technology, we're not going to be buzzing about uh, the cool new voice tech that came out so much as 
we can maintain eye contact with each other and we can say, you know, make connections if we're talking to each other about meeting up or did you see that cool thing or, hey, my daughter really likes such and such. Oh, who's that? That our devices will assist us in, in enabling those conversations without breaking the flow of the human connection. Uh, I can't articulate it any more distinctly than that because that's sort of my vision of where I see this, you know, where this should go. But in, in, in what I do in my work, I can't articulate at all what, um, you know, where Google will be in exactly five years or, or, or even the next year um, or in the next couple months. These things change so fast. But hopefully the buzz will be less about the, the specific technology and it'll be more about what did we ever do without this? Because now I, wow, I'm so much more connected to everyone around me and I can really... Um, we can really talk and um, get things done in our world and, um, and, and like through conversation that is rich and insightful and getting, getting information, looking up information in the moment or, you know, all those little micro moments that you have to stop and, and technology or, or different steps that you, we've created to help us do those things, but sometimes just get in the way um, are will no longer be an issue. Um, that's where I think we should be going and why I, what I deeply care about and why I care about this space. Yeah, no, 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 that's great. And that's one of the, fa I, I find that absolutely fascinating that this area of technology, you know, it's almost like the primary ROI for voice technology is decreasing our use of technology. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a wonderful colleague, uh, Wally Brill, um, said something uh, a few months ago to me that really resonated that, you know, technology is a commodity and execution is an art. Mm. So we need to do that. Uh, we need to recognize that and, and execute in a, in a uh, strategic way to, to really accomplish that vision that I, I, uh, I sort of see for us. We need to do that. Um, but what's interesting is that, uh, you know, I sort of said to you, I think before we started, that I consider a conversation a way of life. That that's just sure. And you looked out, you know, millennia ago, or, or even a hundred couple years ago, or even now. If you stop and you look around, you conversations, um, you know, on the trade routes, or just between people, anyone's trying to sell something. It's it's enabled by a dialogue back and forth, right? So I would say that. We need to change in order to get there. Part of what we need to do is recognize that, yeah, technology is a commodity and um, information needs to remain um, freely flowing. Quality of information is absolutely imperative that we preserve. And, um, but yeah, and so in this new era, conversation is currency. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And, uh, and so I, I want to close by thanking you again for setting your time aside and, and sharing your wealth of experience and expertise, uh, not just with me, with all the folks who will be listening to this. And I want to touch on a post that you wrote um, recently, just uh, a matter of days ago, called 
honoring the voices within and among us before they're gone. And we're going to post this, by the way, in the uh, in the show notes and 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 link it so it's uh, available. But um, you in this post, uh, which uh, I certainly encourage people to read, discussed um, a key part of your uh, life experience uh, being diagnosed um, with cancer, and in this case, uh, oral cancer, and and the threat of uh, not being able to to speak again. And this really, really resonated with me. Uh, I also am a cancer survivor. I was diagnosed mm. with melanoma back in 2010. And uh, you really capture the um, the fear of uh, not um, being able to accomplish everything that you had hoped to um, and that you had wanted to. And, uh, and so I just wanted to thank you for writing what you wrote. Um, it was a real testament to your colleague. Uh, obviously, you cared about her a lot, and, uh, and, and uh, I and I'm sure many, many other people greatly appreciate you sharing what you shared. Well, thank you, Bradley, and and I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> well, I'm um, glad you're here. Yeah, and so um, yeah, so it's uh, it's um, uh, something I definitely wanted to touch on here at the end. Yeah, uh, I mean, to just say one thing about that, um, as as I mentioned in the post, it's that facing something like that is, for me in particular, it was earth shattering. Not so much. You know, facing your own mortality is one thing, um, but when you face it in such a way where there's maybe even a question of, you know, maybe I, I never really, I thought I, there, there would be treatment or whatever. I didn't really face the fear of death. I mean, I, it, of course, it was there. It was like, what if it's spread? You know, all this, you know, you, know, you probably mm-hmm. felt all the questions and the what ifs and the, you know, you probably spend a lot of time on Google looking for stuff and... Too much time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The real, very real thing for me, which you are, you know, um, so graciously articulated, is that the when you face your own mortality and you, everyone has something to give the world, and and they don't always unlock it early in life or their or face up to it, but everyone has something to contribute, something to give the world, and. And I realized that I was holding myself back. I could have been doing more. And and I realized that uh, we're all writing our own legacy in real time. And I realized that I I owe that to myself to get on it and push myself even further. I've always been a high performer, but I thought, you know, I can't hold back now this is I have to do this because you never know what's going to happen and I think that now every time I get on a plane every time I get in a car I you know I'm always thinking of have I done today what I have I have I told the people I love that I love them and it's it's really it's really important um and it's yeah it's about writing your own legacy and I'll leave it with Honoring the legacy and the contributions of everyone around you. So if you learn something from someone or you admire someone for what they do, um, honor that and 
tell them because they don't probably don't know and 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 tell them before it's too late. You know, it's good and, advice. And I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one more thing to do to help start those conversations, and um, you know, you you thank them for all the people you do know, and then for the people you don't know that you do want to connect with. Don't start by asking them what do you do or um, who are you or what's your name. Say something like, hey, what are you working on? And that frees them up from having to be on a defensive of having to prove that they're worth talking to you. You immediately want to know what, what's at their core of creativity. What is it they're interested in? Hey, what are you working on? And that gives a leap into a conversation much faster, and you can connect. And um, yeah, just everyone have great conversations. It's, it's, it's really worth it. I think one of the things that, as well that unites all the folks in voice uh, technology that has fascinated me, that frankly drawn me closer to this field um, since we've started Voice First FM and, and done some content creation stuff in the spaces, uh, almost with no exceptions, everybody understands, because they work with voice and they work with audio, the power of language, the power of your words, your word choice is really important to relationships. And as you said, if you got something to say, uh, get on with saying it. Um, and, um, and, and say it. Don't get out of email and and and, and talk. If it, if you find yourself shoehorning it into some words and rethinking, it's because written language is static. And when you when you need to communicate something that you know important, talk to them in person. Then you can sort of self correct and repair any mis misalignment of meeting, and then follow up with an email. Um, but but important conversations. Are most are best accomplished with voice, or with face to face, with gestures. If if you um, you know if, if you can't speak. Yeah, no, that's um, that's perfect, and uh, it's why you are where you are. Um, you know, you you clearly uh, have a level of insight that uh, that the world needs. So it's been a pleasure uh, having you on the Voice First Roundtable, Nandini. Greatly appreciate you. Greatly appreciate Google for making this happen, and thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Bradley. For the fifth episode of the Voice First Roundtable, thank you for listening, and until next time.